0: Welcome to Outside the House, where we discuss social and climate justice issues and ideas and connect with the radical people who are taking action across the country because they believe we can do better. We acknowledge that the land we live, work, and play on, aka Turtle Island, in addition to the traditional names locally, is sacred land that has been inhabited by Indigenous and First Nations people for more than 15,000 years. We are thankful for this opportunity to share space, honor, and celebrate the lives and traditions of those whose land was stolen from them. We also acknowledge people of African descent who were brought here against their will or in search of a safe place to live their lives and raise their children. Now, let's talk about ways in which we can create social and climate justice with your host, Katie Robertson, in this episode of Outside the House.
1: hello everyone welcome to another episode of outside the house today I am pleased to welcome Mark Charrington from the Coalition for justice and human rights here in Edmonton Alberta hi mark thanks for joining me
2: oh hi Katie thanks for having me
1: <laughs> how are things going these days I see that you've been very busy
2: yeah no it, it I mean look, it's very challenging um, as you know and I'm not in a unique situation As we, we struggle on through this COVID pandemic and um, everybody, I think, well, everything, everybody's been touched by it uh, and uh, businesses alike, um, frontline workers, uh, particular healthcare workers, uh, but as well as the people that I try to help have been really impacted by COVID. So it's a very unique time. It's a very um, challenging time, but it's also a time of real a sense of community. Um, I, I kind of relate it to like the Bl- London Blitz almost. You know when England was being bombed by by Germany and everybody had to pull together even though times were really tough and their lives had changed dramatically. Uh, I almost you now you know I almost think it's something like that. Talking to my grandparents that lived through the war, that we're in a time where people are suffering. Um, but at the same time, uh, we're doing things to keep our community uh, you know, solid and, and healthy and vibrant. And uh, in that sense, it's uplifting. And I think in 10 years or 15 years, when we look back at this, we'll really remember that aspect as well. I mean, we'll remember the tragedy part, but we'll also remember the community aspect. I'm seeing it particularly firsthand, helping vulnerable families, people, the community is trying to reach out do what they can to to help whoever needs help
1: to me that's kind of the story of of humans is is the resiliency that we somehow manage to pull out of nowhere it seems sometimes um when we are faced with some of the biggest struggles especially collectively and that that community aspect I, i appreciate the reminder of that because, um, you know, sometimes you get, you get down in the weeds and and you sort of forget. And you, for me anyways, I I start to get angry, like, why aren't we doing more? But, (laughs) um, but just being reminded of, you know, there are people and they're pulling together and it, and it seems to be, to me anyways, um, it's those who are affected the most that seem to be, that pull their socks up the most and figure out how they can help each other which is really inspiring do you want to talk a little bit about what the coalition is um you know i we didn't really do that introduction so people are probably wondering like what does he do (laughs) oh
2: yeah so the so the coalition uh i I, i'm associated with the coalition for justice right and we're a collection of kind souls from very different backgrounds who uh, try to work together to help people in the area of human rights, advocacy, and dignity. Um, and we're, we're, we're volunteers. I work off donations. The coalition uh, has a has a, I mean, it's, it's not a, we're not a big organization. Uh, we don't have a lot of funding. But we're very effective, and we're um, very spirited, and we look at many issues that come up through the the community Um, and people reach out to us via our Facebook page, emailing us or just cold calling us in regards to what sort of help they need and I'm really proud to be part of this organization we're very unique. We offer a lot of community support and you know not to take anything away from like Amnesty International or the Human Rights and Citizenship Commission, but the they, um, Amnesty International, those organizations look at big, huge systemic issues, and um, you know, write and, and advocate about the issue itself, but not so much the people within the issue. Uh, and the Human Rights Commission, if you file a human rights complaint, which I always recommend you do, if you feel that there's been an issue of discrimination or human rights abuses. But it, it can take a, a number of months, if not years, to get an outcome. And for a single mom that's been thrown out on the street because she's Indigenous or Black by a racist landlord, the Human Rights Commission isn't really there to help them at that moment. So that's something that our coalition uh, does. And um, we're unique. We are we get requests from all across Canada now. So it's... it's it's really exciting to be part of and I, I, I encourage people if they have an interest of being part of our organization to go to our webpage and reach out to us because we, we, we love the support. We'd love, love to help your
1: help. I really appreciate what you said about the differences. Um, you and I had a chance to spend a day together when I first started um getting involved in 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 this type of work um, and we went to the to the remand center in in edmonton and that was the thing that i noticed right away was we're working you're working one on one with people um, and the results are almost immediate in terms of someone asked for help you provide them with help. Like it really truly is this, this grassroots boots on the ground kind of uh, community. Yeah. And, and so how, how do you find, like, how do you do it? How do you find the money yeah. or the time or <laughs> the, the resources?
2: <laughs> well, the, the first thing you need is the will. Um, and I've had the will since 1989. I lived across the street from my youth uh, youth jail, a custody center, and I I saw the kids there, and I started volunteering. And I was in my early early twenties when I started doing that. And I saw I saw injustice. I saw injustice the first day. I saw racism the first day. I saw abuse the first day, and I wanted to change that. Uh, so that started me on my my career, my path to where I am now. You know, I worked in the healthcare system. I used to work for AHS, um, well, it was ADAC in those days as an addictions counselor. I worked in child welfare, child welfare system. I worked in the justice system. I worked in a correctional facility for a short period of time, two correctional facilities for a short period of time. And um, I worked at the courthouse with the youth criminal defense office for 25 26 years and through that whole path of my work uh, i continued to volunteer as well but through that whole path and create resources i created justice uh, committees and things like that through that whole path i've always um, had the will and if you have the will the resources the funding the um, expertise it all comes to you Um, You know, you you just have to understand within yourself of how far do you want to push. And it can be very difficult because in this line of work that I do, you fight government and you fight them. I mean, we're omnivores. Uh, Human beings are omnivores. We have eye teeth for ripping and tearing. and that's what I do is I rip and tear into government.
1: <laughs> I've seen uh, you do it firsthand, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, um, I, and, yeah. And when you do that, uh, you don't become that well liked with government. And so um, I don't think I've made any enemies, but I have a lot of people that don't like me. I have a lot of people that would wish I would just go away. I've had a lot of people that have tried to make me go away, including... Uh, you know legal aid alberta uh which got rid of me after 25 years for but they quote restructuring but which i feel i think happened was was government interference so because you I, were
1: you were fighting government yeah and, and <laughs> your legal, teeth and were out <laughs> now you know
2: this is just my insight and i don't i could be wrong in just my opinion but i feel that i was uh, like legal aid because i was i was too much a headache for them. Legal aid is funded almost exclusively by the provincial government, and I was attacking provincial government daily. And I think the powers in B made of uh, not like that, and through interactions that I wasn't part of, uh, it was decided that I should be let go. So fighting and advocacy can mean can make can have an impact on your personal life, but. When you see the eyes of a four-year-old that hasn't eaten in three days, or you're taking a mom to the emergency department because ten of her fingers have been broken by a security officer, you 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 start to appreciate that what you're doing is important, and the outcomes that may the outcomes that may uh, affect you, losing a job, getting criticised, being disliked people in authority, are really insignificant and and, and, uh, and inert compared to the tragedies of that person or people that you're trying to help. So yeah, the, the will is the most important aspect of, of this job of this work. and that's 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 been driving me. That's where I that gets me up at four in the morning when I have to go find some kid or sixteen hours into a day. you're just you're just getting going. <laughs> it's those sorts of days in that where you understand that it's the will. Keeps you going. It's it's certainly not the money, and it's certainly not certainly not. uh, You end up not being well liked. So it's it's
1: It's not for fame or popularity. (laughs) No, no,
2: it's, it's not. It's not for anything like that. It's um, you know, when you but when you come riding in, with when when I come riding into these child welfare offices, sometimes it's like I'm one of the horsemen of apocalypse. You know, one of the five horsemen of apocalypse and uh you know but advocacy is 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 like that it's advocacy it's it's adversarial it comes from the same greek root word right so uh, advocacy advocacy is adversarial in nature it's about fighting
1: the word fighting comes to mind when i'm thinking about one of the questions that i was going to ask you was why do you think these people in power continue to make these egregious human rights violations toward people. And, and then you, you kind of answered it. Um,
2: Well, yeah,
1: but But currently, yeah,
2: currently uh, we have, as far as I'm concerned, we have a bunch of ideological zealots that are running our province. Uh, We have social Christian uh, and social conservatism and, uh, it's 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 really bending this province in ways that uh, are causing a lot of suffering for our most vulnerable so that that's that's the number one issue right now um, the other thing is is that you have ignorance you have ignorance by people appointed as uh, deputy ministers assistant deputy ministers associate assistant deputy ministers uh, CEOs of nonprofit societies like Eagle, Legal Aid, uh, you, you just have ignorance. You have an inability to understand the problem because you don't know what the problem really is. And you get these filtered messages um, through communication officers or whatever, and, and you don't have a fucking clue what's going on. Um, you don't understand what, what starvation looks like. You don't understand what housing, lack of housing really feels like. You don't understand what um, what desperation means. And when you're a minister and you say, you know, damn well, I'm going to go out there and take a look at what the hell's wrong with their province. And I'm going to go to tour these group homes or I'm going to go see these organizations firsthand. Well, the first thing that happens is the chief of staff goes, tells all these organizations, the minister's coming by. So the group home also, they clean up the place and they get their, their, they get their their you know, we gotta find our angels. Where's our angels? Well don't get her because she's FASD and she'll say the word fuck. And we can't have a kid say the word fuck to the minister. So we gotta find our perfect angel. So they do all this pre-work. So when the minister walks into the group home, you know, there's rays of light shining on the kitchen table, there's flowers, there's, you know, there's books of help, self-help care on the coffee table. Uh, oprah's on the television you've got the smiling kid in front of you and oh thank you mr minister you're so great we're so appreciative of all all the help you've been giving oh thank you thank you let's, let's get a picture now everybody get a picture for twitter and social media okay the minister smiles everybody ends with a group hug the minister leaves and the kids the other kids come downstairs and go what the fuck's going on i you know, I haven't had my medicine in three hours. Or what's for dinner? Oh, we can't afford anything. All we have is craft dinner tonight. What are we doing for rec? Oh, uh, we're going to read a book because we can't, we have, no, we have no gas for our van to take you out, or we have no bus tickets. Because, you know, so the real side, what I'm saying is that the real side of the issue, everything that's wrong with the systems, is always kept away from, from people in a position of power. So they're ignorant. And uh, the people that are appointed, like ministers and and the deputy ministers, have no concept of the uh, portfolios. They have no expertise. Uh, Most of the time, they have no expertise in in the field they're helping. You just have to look at our uh, health minister, like that Chandra guy. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's the the village idiot. Uh, And he's around a lot of smart people like doctors. And, uh, you know, people can see that. He's ignorant of the issues, and he's an idiot. He has no expertise in the field. Well, that's the other problem: you have no people that are appointed in positions of power have no expertise uh, for the systems that they're trying to help.
1: I feel that yeah. they lack a lot of empathy too. He he like he he has no expertise, but he also has no direct. And you had mentioned that no direct lived experience. Like he doesn't care.
2: Yeah, and 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 our. Uh, Child welfare minister again. She's somebody that has no concept and no clue about the ministry she was appointed to, and her focus is cutting is 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 cutting budgets. And we're already in a chronically underfunded system, uh, and you know what's the first thing that this, this shithead government does it's, There's does a four percent tax decrease on our corporations, and then everybody then our vulnerable end up fighting off this debt. And and we, we cut down H claims. We, we cut down uh, WCB claims. We don't give out as many certificates at legal aid. We, uh, we, we underfund group homes. And, you know, we get all this underfunded, underwhelmed services. And people end up dying and suffering immensely because of this. So this is... This is something that's really disturbing to me, um, and I'd really wish that uh, the NDP had a second mandate because I think they were really changing the trajectory and really looking at big, big systemic issues and, and working towards positive change. But all of that came crumbling down uh, when Mr. Kenny showed up. So, but we live in we live in this province and we do what we can do with what we've got, and you know um, that doesn't change the the fact of what advocacy is about. what ad-
1: Yeah. And I think regardless of who is, whether it's NDP or UCP or whatever, there will always be space for advocacy. Like that's, that's not, we can't get rid of that. Cause nothing will ever be perfect. But when you talk a little, when you talk about the ignorance piece myself, I've been challenged even, you know, we, as a society, are conditioned. Uh, there's this, you know, that idea of meritocracy and individualism. Like, if you just pulled up your bootstraps a little bit higher or worked yeah. harder or did whatever, right? Then you could yeah. you could be me too. Um, and and I think you know, the most vulnerable people become the scapegoats of of everything that's kind of wrong or broken or whatever with with our systems um and one of the things that I found about your work and especially some of the stories that you share it's really challenges me to rehumanize people because it is so easy you know we're conditioned to demonize to demonize that's that's really the easiest way to put yeah. that yeah um you know talking about a mom who is an addict and um, family services is coming in and wants to take the kids away. Well, as a society, we're conditioned like, yeah, that woman shouldn't have her children, (laughs) you know, instead of really looking at the, the, the deeper issues here in terms of she needs help. How do we help her and and keep that family together? Or, um, you know, the person who is in jail and was, Abused their whole life, and then you know, just went down that that road of was criminalized, um, for being mentally having you know suffering from mental illness based on trauma or whatever it is. And but we we blame that person instead of like, hey, how can we do better systematically for everybody? And I really I think that the work that you've done and the stories that you share really have helped me personally and i hope other people to challenge to see like no these are human beings and they deserve love and respect and support and safety as much as anybody else does
2: yeah and i remember i goes back to um from about 1998 to about 2000 and well I had a radio show called Youth Menace. It was a young offender, child welfare radio show. It was live. And, um, you know, throughout the years, I had about 1,000 kids on the show. And by the end of the uh, 16 years that I had done the show, uh, out of those 1,000 kids, 65 of them had died by the time the show ended um, that I knew of. Um, And... It was all homicide, suicide, drug overdose. Uh, You know, every death is a tragic, but none of the deaths were from cancer or drowning.
1: Quote, unquote, natural causes.
2: Yeah, they were all sort of based on tragic violence of some sort. And I realized that out of 64 out of 1,000, that's almost the that is, that, is, that is a higher death rate than what soldiers were facing in World War II. So more kids were dying on the streets per capita than soldiers were dying in World War II fighting fighting in Europe. And, and so I put that in perspective is that's how bad it is. That's how, what kind of crisis we're in right now. And we just don't talk about it, and there's lots of reasons why we don't talk about it. The first reason is that we cover this whole aspect of confidentiality has been used as a weapon. Um, the government is able to hide all this tragedy uh, and all this abuse um, through this through a shield of confidentiality. We can't talk about this kid because it's confidential. We can't talk about this case about this vulnerable indigenous man that was beaten to a pulp um, while in the care of police because it's confidential. We we don't want to embarrass or you know um, you know talk about this issue because we don't have you know or it's before the courts or something. So we have this shield of confidentiality, and I can see that in some sense. But in another sense, it's been able the government to hide huge atrocities and human rights abuses because they can just throw this card out on the table, and it's been really. And it's been really masking and numbing and it filters the real tragedies that are happening on the streets. I mean, um, you know, when a child is starving to death um, and and they're in care, they're they're, they're wards of the government, we don't really find out about it. We We don't find out about it, we find out maybe once every three or four years. A journalist will break one story. Serenity was the the one that was last broken. That's three or four years ago. But it happens every day. Uh, Not to that extent. But there's tragedy and human rights abuses happen every day. With children in care. With children uh, who should be in care but are left to fend to themselves. Um, you know because child welfare doesn't deem them in need of intervention um, so there's all this tragedy and we don't know about it because um, either we have we have because we have the shield of confidentiality Ignorance is bliss and as long as the community in our city is ignorant of the, of the shit that's going on it's bliss you know uh, and you know, and when something does happen, you know, we, we've we gotten into this other age where all of a sudden every ministry, we, we, we have all these communications people, every, every industry, every government ministry, every government department, they all have communications peoples and they filter truth and they weed out anything that puts, uh, you know, puts, puts uh, the government in, in a dim light. And so with, communicate, with this rapid increase of communications people's officers or whatever they want to call themselves, and issue managers, we, we're not able to really understand what's going on. The truth is being held back. And I think something like the coalition is out to change that. Uh, and we're small, but we're mighty. We're underfunded, but we're rich in the heart. We're we 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 you know we have we have uh, iron in our fists and in our hearts, and we're ready for war. So we're we're out to change that. We're out to bring up. We're out to show the truth, and uh, that's why I'm part of the coalition. That's why I'm so happy with with this this organization doing what I'm doing.
1: What are some of the ways that the coalition? is bringing light to the truth or bringing bringing the truth out
2: um, a number of ways um, we're we're, <clears throat> we're very active with the media uh, we are very vocal uh, when it comes to abuses and abuses of power or inaction by government or too much action so we're we're very vocal in that way but we're also independent we get no funding from any levels of government and so we're not we have no puppet strings tied to our our, our wrists and our arms so when we when we lift up people you know we're not tied we're not tied by, by government strength we're able to lift and help people yeah and, and that's that's what it's been really about and and if you go to our webpage look at some of the news stories, some of the testimonials, you can see what we're doing, and again, we're not looking for the angel kid that tells us all good news. Sometimes we, sometimes we fail. Sometimes that child will die. Sometimes that, uh, or that elderly person in a senior's home will die. Sometimes this father of three or four will get deported. Sometimes this man that's being locked up 23 hours a day in prison is going to keep getting locked up three hours a day in prison for another year or so. So sometimes we fail. And, uh, and I think what I really like about who I'm involved with the coalition is that we're, we're honest, we're honest about our successes, and we're honest about our failures. And, you know, that's what a community is. And that's what I am. Uh, And that's who we are. And I think that's the only way you're going to make real change is if people become really honest about their strengths, but also their weaknesses. I think you look at a number of systems and look at police departments across the country and they don't talk about their you can look at child welfare systems across our country they don't talk about their week you can look at um, you can look at our prison systems across the country they don't talk about them so until these systems start being honest truly honest with what they who they are what they how they do help but also how they do fail Uh, There's never going to be real change. And it seems change is always driven by tragedy. Somebody has to die. Someone has to take the bullet, metaphoric bullet, where there's change. Serenity was that person within the Alberta child woman. She had to die to to make change. And uh, that's that's so sad.
1: It's the human condition, too, though, is that we turn a blind eye (laughs) or... Or don't really care unless it affects us directly or there's an imminent threat or danger.
2: Yeah, yeah. And the other thing is that we become, we're all, it's cold outside. So we like to run inside and warm up. So we all run into our bubbles and feel safe and warm. So we've got the right wing bubbles and we've got the left wing bubbles. And you um, have got, you know, the pragmatic bubbles. Everybody stays in their bubbles. Uh, no one wants an asshole on their Twitter feed. No one wants a right-wing zealot or a, a, a libertarian on their is, is following you on, as one of their friends on one of your friends on Facebook, or you don't want uh, a left-wing communist. <laughs> uh, you know, you, if if you're right-wing, or, so everybody stays in this bubble, and that's become a real <clears throat> issue with social media and the way we, we get our information. <clears throat> And the best example is you just have to look at the 2020 American election and the conspiracy theory that the information beats itself and uh, people stay within their bubbles and there's no interaction. So in our community, we stay in our bubbles and we don't interact. Uh, Sure, we drop off a bag of groceries at the food bank and at the heritage festival as we walk by. Yes, we, you know, we, we, We roll down our car window and we give somebody a cigarette or a loonie that's standing in the middle of the street and you know on a a meridian on the street when it's minus 20. And but then we're quick to roll up our window again or we're quick to walk away after we've dropped off our bag of groceries at the food bank and we run back inside into our bubble where we feel safe and comfortable and I'm not saying to people that you reverse yourself twine but you know what
0: there's a low
2: housing project the street, embrace it, celebrate it. There's, um, you strike up a conversation with somebody waiting for the bus, befriend that person. They may have no home and no hope, but other than that, <laughs> other than that, I say. But <laughs> um, you know, they have they, they're human beings, and and they, they can provide you with insight and friendship. else. And, and that's why I'm such a big supporter of our public system, our healthcare system is being public. I don't, I've, I've had, I've had the opportunity to take many women, <clears throat> uh, many, many women, to the women's health center uh, for termination of a pregnancy, and <clears throat> it's the only place, it's the only place in northern Alberta where uh, a woman can get an abortion unless it's a medical emergency. <clears throat> so when you walk into the waiting room, you see rich and poor, you see old and young, you see people from all different faiths and all different cultures, um, but they're all there for one reason. So when we have strong public systems, is what I'm saying, is we are able to interact with everybody within our <clears throat> We have a strong public education, now, and as long as we're able to continue that, you know, my son will interact with children from all different spectrums and backgrounds and that'll make him a better. He- now, Jason Kenney, I think, wants to change that. I just love a, a private education system, charter schools, left, right, center. So, you know, stay in our bubbles, our social conservative bubbles or or Antifa bubbles or whatever, um, and not interact with. So we must protect our public. System. We must protect our, our, our public broadcaster well. Because again, as we're seeing in the States, we're getting a polarization of news and information based on network. Uh, So in Canada, we have a strong public broadcaster. We need that. I think that's the key to uh, understanding who are, but uh, it's just very, uh, we're in a very difficult time. with a pandemic with the uh, ideological zealots that we've elected and the pragmatics of of our country and of our province. And those people that are uh, defenders of science, compassion, and humanity need to step up because there's that four-year-old that this Christmas season there's that four-year-old that's it's not going to be bad a Christmas. And it's going to be very hard for that child because there's no hope. We don't have enough people fighting for that child.
1: Mark, how can people get involved and support the work that you're doing?
2: Um... <clears throat> Well, there's two ways. So there's three ways. The first way is you can vote. I wish people would vote. Um, the second way is become more engaged in your community, in whatever way you can, informally or form- formally. And if you want to help the coalition, or me personally, you can go to our website and uh, leave a kind thought or a message or a donation. That would be it. that would be appreciated.
1: I, I truly appreciate everything that you do, and I think the world is uh, a much better place with you in it. And like you said, we need more. <laughs> we need more people to do the, some of the work that you're that you're doing. Uh, I admire everything that you do, and you you continue to inspire me to find ways that I can do more. So I really I do appreciate that and I appreciate the time and the energy and everything that you put in into this and into your life and other people's lives
2: well thanks Katie but I mean it's the people that do the heavy lifting I just try to I just show up with the moving truck
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> fine but yeah. everyone has yeah. a job <laughs> yeah
2: yeah yeah no it's it's it's, it's um, yeah it's rewarding uh, there are days like the day I got fired legal aid that really hit you in the gut but by and large it's it's always been it's always been a a very worthwhile journey that I've taken it's a lonely road i wish more people would travel it and try this journey of helping because it's much more rewarding in so many different ways than you can imagine you know and a nice thing about a road is as you're traveling along the journey you don't like it just turn around and walk back yeah i think that's it
1: cool perfect thanks mark
2: oh thank you katie
0: thank you for listening to another episode of outside the house with katie robertson we like to thank our guest valued sponsors and of course all of our listeners for your support don't miss any of our weekly episodes follow us on social media and subscribe at patreon.com slash outside the house for ad-free, uncut extra content and episodes, giveaways, swag, and more.